Salutations and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And this week, we're going to be talking about only one Trek episode this week because Prodigy's finished. So, we've got uh, season four, episode two of Discovery called Anomaly. Uh, only a tiny bit of Trek news this week, which is we did try out Pluto TV and they did show Discovery this week. They did uh, three times. Yep. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Uh, the yeah. the bad news is that they've not put it on the catch up, uh, which I assume must have been part of the deal that Paramount did. Like you know, okay, you can broadcast it, but we're not letting you do it on catch up because that's going to be well, our thing. Well, uh, Viacom owns both of them anyway, so it was Viacom did a deal with themselves. <laughs> yeah, but they still don't want to under. They, they've got to have something to sell Paramount Plus. Yeah. Like you can watch like, it anytime. I read uh, one of our friends on Facebook, eh? she was complaining that she couldn't pause it to go to the toilet. Yeah. And I think this is a bit like uh, that you can't stream, that it's not gone on to Pluto streaming. But it's like you've just, we've all got in the bad habit how we watch TV now with streaming. Yeah. We watch when we want. With Discovery, we've got to watch it old it's, school. Yeah, they've... Um, at this advert break, so every 15 minutes you've got a chance to run to the toilet anyway. Yeah, and, you know, not by design, but they've managed to make it into appointment TV again. Everyone's talking about how appointment TV's died with the advent of streaming, but... Um, yeah. So there you go. Your Star Trek appointment is 9 o'clock on either Friday night, Saturday night, or Sunday night now. Um, so we'll we'll keep an eye on if there's any developments in that. But the good news is you can watch it. We don't have to rely on our Bajoran militia smugglers anymore to get us the copies of the episodes. So let's have a look at Anomaly then. Um, again, I think this is a really solid episode. I, I feel like Discovery's sort of settled into a groove now. It It doesn't feel like it's in a state of flux, like it kind of did for the first three seasons. It always felt like we were waiting for it to, to sort get, of to find... find its feet. Yeah, not, not so much to find its feet. I think it's always been a good show and it's always been entertaining, but it always felt like everything was a bit up in the air and it was in a bit of state of flux with different captains and Michael being yeah. promoted and demoted and... All this business, whereas now it feels like we're finally settling into this is Discovery's timeline. This is where it is. They work for Starfleet. They've got a mission. Michael's the captain. And by the end of the episode, we've got Saru as the first officer. So I feel like this is the formula for Discovery now. And I'm probably going to look a complete idiot when they shake it up completely in a couple of episodes. Yeah, and Saru gets made captain again. Maybe so, but I, I feel like this is where they wanted it to get to. Well, it does mention, doesn't it, that it's, he has told um, Admiral Daddy Bear, Silver Daddy Bear, that he will go back to the yeah. captain's seat at some point. Yeah, so they've always got that option if they want to well, bring it. To be fair, him. he might get the captain's seat of uh, Voyager. I thought that's what they were going to go with. And I do quite like the idea of having a show that can be about two captains on two ships and yeah. have these big... Like, you know, we we are getting a what's looking like it's going to be a galaxy-spanning mission this season. And we've never really done that on Star Trek, have two different crews investigating and they could be in different quadrants or they could be in different systems looking at different pieces of the puzzle. And I think that could be... I don't think we'll do it this season, but season five I'd be up for... Yeah. You've got Captain Burnham on the Discovery and you've got Captain Saru on Voyager or whatever and they're doing their that own thing. That could be quite cool. Yeah, like in the um, the New Frontier books, the later ones, it starts off with Shelby from TNG's, the first officer on the Excalibur, 
uh, but she gets promoted and gets her own ship and so some of the later books it, it jumps between the two ships and shows them yeah. what they're up to so yeah I wouldn't mind doing something like that another thing I think that were Discovery has flirted with doing a story about mental health and they did a Bit, a fair bit of setup with Detmer last season, seemingly having PTSD, and then it just sort of went, and it, it sort of pitted <laughs> out, didn't it? It was yeah. quite a disappointing conclusion to and it. I feel like maybe when they've had the meetings in between seasons, they've gone, you know what, we could have done a bit more with that. Why, why don't we try that again? But we'll do it with characters that we know a bit better. So it looks like we're doing something with book with that and with Tilly. Um, so I'll be. In, I'd, I'd, I think if they're going to have another crack at it, do it properly this time and give us, yeah, give us the full like, story. I thought Tilly's was a bit forced. Yeah, like, what happened on that <laughs> space station? Yeah, she's I'm had thinking, worse. I'm thinking with what she's gone through, and that's what's mm. what she's finding difficult to cope with. Maybe it's like just an accumulation of things, maybe. and it's the it's the straw that broke the camel's back, and maybe yeah. we're gonna. I don't know, but I, I, I do agree with you. Yeah, it's like she's been through way more traumatic things than that. And she's been okay, so... Like, with books, you can see where they can really go into something there. Yeah, whereas, weirdly, I felt like book... <coughs> I, I'm sure there'll be more to it, but it feels like they wrapped up a lot of it with book this episode. Like, we, you know, we... We took him from a place at the start where he's having these flashbacks and he's re-watching the footage. And I felt like that was a commentary on um, sort of people who have like obsessive tendencies and replay conversations in the head over and over and think, oh, I should have said this or I should have done that or what did I do wrong? And whereas... <clears throat> With the technology we've got in Star Trek, in this future version of Star Trek, they're, they're visualising that in a very real way. It's not Booker sitting there thinking, what could I have done differently? He's literally watching a replay of what he did. Yeah. And as Michael points like, out to me, there's nothing he could do different. No, absolutely. And uh, that's what I was going to say. Like, as Michael points out to him, you know, it's not it's not healthy doing this. You you couldn't have done anything else. And what would he have done if he'd have stayed on the planet? He'd have died as well. So yeah. th there's literally nothing. He didn't have time to get back to save them. No. He uh, didn't feel anything to sort of try get them off the planet with him. Yeah. But he, you know, he didn't. He didn't have an opportunity to. I suppose it's what they call survivor's guilt, isn't it? That yeah, he's the only one who's made it out alive. And the, there's some good stuff. Like Michael's obviously trying to be there for him, and she says, "What do well, you need?" Which I think it really... does. It does raise an interesting one because they're uh, busy refitting all the fleet with start with their spore drives, mm. and it's his species that. The yeah, I think I think that was done very deliberately because it's right. The, we're probably going to need an explanation further down the line for why we can't give everybody a spore drive. So let's let's let, kill them all. Yeah, <laughs> let's let let's give ourselves a storyline reason why we can make that more difficult. And if they do decide to go ahead with it, they can always go, we've adapted it, and now you can do it without or whatever. So well, there's... well, they're looking, it's empaths, isn't it? So, would, um... Betazoids. Um... Oh, what's Troy? Betazoid. Betazoids. Yeah. Work so just as well. Could Betazoids like do it? <coughs> instead. And at the end of the day, Stamets can do it. So, the, there are things you can do to get humans to be able to do yeah. it. Yeah. So... They, they've gotten out if they want to do it, but they've they've built themselves an out if they don't want to do it now. So there's a good place to be in storytelling-wise. And Michael says, like, you know, tell me what whatever you need. And I, I do like how developed their relationship is, that Book realises Michael needs to be doing captain-y things at the minute. So he says, I need you to go. And it might not be strictly true, you know, it... <clears throat> 
he probably could do with her support and everything, but he knows that she's needed elsewhere. Yeah. And he's emotionally aware enough to be able to do that <coughs> even when he's struggling. So it's definitely a more healthy relationship for Michael than it was with Ash. Um <clears throat> and then Saru comes back, which is great. I was wondering, were we going to drag this out a bit and have a few yeah, episodes where he's this, on his are way? Are we going to be sort, sort of keep seeing little clips of him on Kamana? Kamana. Yeah, or is he going to be on a shuttle? And, or? And, and, and be halfway through when he actually comes back into it. But no, they've done it really no, early. No, straight early. there. And... The good thing as well is straight away we established, right, you're going to be the first officer. And we we talked a lot last season about how we were concerned that would it feel like Michael was being captain at the expense of Saru. And I feel like they've handled this really well because Saru's come back and he said, yeah, I, I could be a captain, but I feel like I'm needed here. So yeah. it, he's taken it upon himself to effectively take a demotion because he knows it can be more helpful. And I think I think that's a really good way of playing it. To but not... I think he's also there for this mission. And there's a thing that he might be going back yeah. to Kavanaugh, that he can't, he can't commit to the job of being a captain. Yeah, there's definitely, again, they're leaving themselves a lot of leeway for what they want to do with Saru going forward. But I like that they establish him as a first officer. And I really like the dynamic that they build up, even through this episode. Now that we've got the roles flipped, Saru's the first officer, Michael's the captain. And it the relationship, it feels like it works a lot better like this. It's almost like the Kirk Spock thing that you've got the captain who can be a bit hot-headed, a bit impulsive. And then you've got the first officer who can be a bit more analytical and a bit more grounded. Well, let's bear in mind, by the time we got to the movies, half half of them were captains. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what we're getting here. So everyone else is a commander apart from Tilly and um, Adira now. So Yeah. But, yeah, and I like this. We're going to call you Mr. Saru, which feels like a nod to Mr. Spock. It does. I like that. And speaking of nods, we get this big briefing scene. And this really reminds me of, I mean, we talked about is the anomaly going to be Vija last week? I don't think it is. I don't think there's anything in this episode to suggest it is. But the way it's briefed out feels like that briefing in the motion picture where Kirk goes yeah. down to the shuttle bay and he has the screen up and he, he talks everyone through it. it. It feels very similar to that. In yeah, terms of um, how it's been presented and how they're talking about it. I know it, it reminded me of um, Flight of the Navigator, it does. Flight of the, the Navigator. Shape of it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, when we see it at the end, the shape. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. That'd be a, a good crossover, wouldn't it? <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't that. What were it called? Max. The 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 oh. the, the, the computer. I'm sorry we're called were it called Max? It might be. Because he says something like, my name's blah, 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 and he says, I'll shorten it to Max or something. Anyway, that'd be a good... I'd be up for that. Let's bring that in. And <laughs> and that ship as well, that ship were probably made out of programmable matter, if you look at it, because it changed yeah, shape. Yeah, it changed shape. It did all that stuff. So maybe who owns Flight of the Navigator? Is that... Uh, I think it's a Disney. It's Disney, in it? Ah, well, never mind then. We're not going to get that crossover. No, we, I can't, no, we won't get that crossover. <laughs> I have to just change the names, make it Flight of the Navigator, but not Flight of the Navigator. We'll get away with it. Um, so it's five light years across, and they think it's a roving binary black hole. I don't think it's going to be a roving binary black hole. We didn't see any black holes when we went inside it. And well... Things things that happen during this episode sort of go, no, this isn't a natural phenomenon. Exactly, yeah. I well, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to the end, but yeah, I agree with you. I, d I don't think it's a roving binary black hole. I mean, we, we have talked about in the past, like Discovery can drag its mysteries on a little bit too long, but you know what? I'm happy for us not to find out exactly what it is in episode two. I think the, yeah, that's it's reasonable. Like is this going to be 13 episodes long this season? No, 10 this season. 
10. But if the mystery was solved in the second episode of what it is, and then we had eight episodes of fighting it, that could be yeah. out of it also, too, too much. A roving, there needs to be a balance. Yeah. A roving binary black hole as well. While it sounds interesting, it's not that exciting. And I'm, no. I'm not interested in eight more episodes of a roving binary black hole. Let's like I think a roving binary black hole would be able to track where they'd be able to predict it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's natural. So yeah, it'll be something else, <laughs> but we'll keep an eye on that as we go through. Weird bit though. So you've got this briefing. We've got the Ferengi in there that everybody lost their minds over. I thought the Ferengi looked fine. Uh, we got various. What was diff- it? There was a post in one of the Star Trek groups today, and someone was going on. Could someone explain why if Ferengi's at the briefing and in the Starfleet uniform? Yeah, have I, think, I missed something in Discovery? I, I think you have missed something in Discovery. Probably the the time jump. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to have a have a look at that. Like, again. To be fair, the comments are all sort of like. Well, yeah, and even if we were in next gen times or just after. Why couldn't you have a Ferengi in Starfleet? Yeah, no, we had not. Once Nog broke the ice, that's it. The floodgates yeah. were open. Um, but into this briefing, Wanda's book, and it's like, okay, one, Book's not a Starfleet officer. Two, he's severely emotionally traumatised by the thing that you're talking about. Is it a good idea just to let him wander in? And I know the sort of... Yeah. Like, why are the doors just opening this uh, high-level meeting? Yeah, can anybody just wander in? I mean, I know they say, you know, this isn't just Starfleet. This, everybody's going to have to do something about this, which, fair enough. But maybe yeah, just... you actually want everyone just wandering into this meeting? Yeah, maybe just have somebody on the door, like, checking. You know, have you yeah. lost a planet to the anomaly? Maybe you should wait until... I mean, even, like, when you go see a play at the theatre, they don't let you in. If you miss the start of it, you got to wait till the intermission. So... Yeah. I just think we need a bit more security there. Um, the Vulcans, or the Nivarans, or whatever we're going to call them, that we find out they're not members of the Federation yet. I think they will be by the end of the, the season. By the end of this season, I think they'll be rejoining. Yeah. And... One thing that I'll be really interested to see if they pursue this or not is they say we've got to get ready for civil unrest. And I'm wondering, is this going to be a way of kind of doing a commentary on COVID and people's reactions to COVID? Is there going to be mass panic? And how are the the citizens of the Federation going to react to it? And I don't know, it may have just been a throwaway line, but I'd be very surprised if they don't comment on COVID in some way through the story yeah. this season. And I wonder if they're going to look at that like there's a big threat that everybody has to work work together to solve. Are there going to be people who refuse to do what they're being asked to do and is that going to cause a problem? And I, I just wonder if... If well, it's the people who are going to deny that the anomaly is Yeah, there. that'd be good but if we... it's just wiped out that planet that used to be there, can't you tell? Yeah, fake news. No, it's still there. No, it's not. Look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, here's a bit of dust from it. So, yeah, I wonder if we'll get anomaly deniers or... I, I don't know. I just wondered if that's the little seed that they've, they've planted there. And then... Saru, he's had that great scene with Michael already, and then he gets another brilliant scene with Tilly, where she thinks he's got taller, which I just think's a really cute, very, very Tilly thing to say. And it's so clear that they're both so happy to see each other. And and it finishes with that lovely moment. They get into the turbo lift, and Saru very briefly puts his hand on Tilly's back, like, reassuringly. And I love the fact that he doesn't do it out in the corridor because it, it might look unprofessional. And yeah. by the time the turbo lift doors open, his hand's gone. But he just gives her that lovely moment of assurance, which yeah, it, it makes you realise, even though it's only been one episode, how much this crew's missed having Saru around. 
Well, it's not a normal crew anyway, is it? Like, no. People go on about them sometimes, not being quite Starfleet-y. Mm. But this was a top-secret science vessel, and yeah. most of the people on there are there for sciencey things. And they're also... They've been displaced by nearly a thousand years yeah. after saving the universe. So, yeah, there's, there's yeah, definitely... Yeah, so these are... Like, they're also going to be developing this very close family tie yeah. between each other. Yeah, the bond with this crew is definitely going to be stronger than what you might see on most yeah. crews. And so they jump to the anomaly and Stamets says, curiouser and curiouser, and Michael shuts him down and says, I want scientific analysis. Now, wait a minute, Michael, because he just quoted from your favourite book ever, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I'm surprised she wasn't like, good one, Stamets. Or at least give us a bit of a smile or something, you know. I think it's more likely that it's just one of the writers really likes Alice in Wonderland and they've forgotten that Michael's supposed to really that like Michael's it. Michael's favourite book. But yeah, he, he, she could have gone, hey, good one. Like, oh, <laughs> they both rolled up the sleeves and they have matching Alice in Wonderland tattoos or something, <laughs> just to give us a little a little moment. <coughs> and then we get uh, what I thought was a really nice... I mean, it's not really an Easter egg because it's that... It's spelled out, is where they're talking about what they're going to do with Grey and they're going to make a synthetic body... And Culber says it's the Soon method after a doctor did it on a Starfleet Admiral. 800 years ago. And you're like, great, excellent. He did it on a Starfleet <laughs> Admiral. Um, Picard, I think his name was. <laughs> yeah, and at first I was like, well, why don't you know who Picard is? And then I'm like, oh, of course, because he he's missed Picard. He jumped over it. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing, though, that he doesn't... He doesn't give us any more of a biography. Like, you know, when they say, well, will it still get old? He doesn't say, well, actually, the, the Picard one that they did got shot um, a couple of months after. So, <laughs> yeah, he died. So it's, it's good that he doesn't give us any spoilers. He only spoils what we've already seen. Yeah, it, it says it'll age normally. And <laughs> yeah. And we get the first reference, and we, we talked about this before, because obviously Ian, Ian Alexander is a trans actor, but it's never been made clear whether Grey was trans or not. And he does actually reference transitioning at this point, which, you know, again, I think it's just referenced the way it should be referenced. It came up naturally in conversation. There's not a big hoo-ha made of it. But it's good that the the dropping that in and having awareness that trans people exist, which a lot of people still have a problem with. So just dropping it in and normalizing it. I thought that we like about that. that he transferred before because of being a trill. No, I thought it was a reference to actually transitioning. Uh, see, I, I when I've when I've watched it, I just thought we were on about. It won't have any problem transferring. Ah, uh, maybe. Because it transferred before. But, the, but they usually... You, and I thought it was to do with being a trill. They usually call that joining, though, don't they? Mm. But then, I, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've, that's, but that's how I read it. I didn't even... I have a feeling that what I it's I didn't doing, even look at it how you've seen it. Well, I, I, I just assumed that it was on about being how it was with maybe the trill. Maybe so. That it and, transferred his... Like the transfer and all that. I feel like it was it was an acknowledgement that like the actor who portrays him, Grey's also transitioned. Um and they have this thing where oh, I might remove that mole. And that gets you thinking, like, okay, if you were given the option of having a whole new body and I'm not not having a pop at the way Ian looks, it good on him. It's that's great. If if that's the best you can imagine is the body that you had before, that's great. But I'd be like, well, can you make me look like The Rock or something? You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's. If well, we're going to start changing sort of like stuff. Himself, don't he? But yes, he does. Sort of going, well, get rid of this blemish. Like, no, I want the people's eyebrow and everything. Anyway. <laughs> and now, I do want to put this out there at this point and. I feel like we're heading for heartbreak for with Grey and Adira. I I I just don't I don't think it's gonna work out because 
even at this point, Grey's talking about, oh, when I get my body back, I could I could get joined again. Or, you know what? I might become a guardian. Yeah, and it's like, guardian trade. And it's all, oh, hang on, the guardians have to stay on trill forever. Um, yeah. Like, so, like, the little clip that we saw of them back in season three. They were absolutely they, besotted with each other. Well, they were, but they were also the only two people on that ship that we saw. That's true. And is it a thing of sort of like, because they were the, so together? Yeah, maybe. They were almost forced into that. And, you know, not, not being cynical, and I apologise to any of our younger listeners... Um, but young love doesn't tend to to last, you know. And these are two very, very young people. Yeah. And the two very young people, <coughs> both of whom have a symbiont or have had a symbiont that has lots of lifetimes experience. So both of these people are still very much developing into who they're going to be in life. And... If they've got separate goals, if Adira's wanting to stay in Starfleet but Grey's wanting to go and be a Guardian, I'm just predicting we're going to have some emotional scenes later this season. I'm not sure it's going to be a happy ending, which will be a shame, but if it's it's done really well and it's an interesting story, I'm up for it, but I I just feel bad for them because they do seem really sweet together, but... I feel like once Grey's got his own body, that's going to cause problems. And Michael on a holodeck then, but it's not a holodeck, it's a quarters. Which... Now, I have no problem with this, because... I don't. Like, we saw... I know that we didn't see it in the original series, but in TES, they had holodecks. They didn't have characters, but they had environments. Mm-hmm. And then we got to the Avholodecks in Next Gen and Voyager and DS9. And I have no problem sort of 800 years later that they can fit a hollow transmitter. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's an expansion of the of the technology, isn't it? And, yeah. And it's a great idea. Like, you get home to your quarters. You're right. Um, we'll have it. I want to make it into this. And yeah. Presumably, like, you're trying to get a good night's sleep, right? make it so it's a really peaceful place that I can go to sleep yeah. and stuff. Where do I sleep well? Yeah, I think that's a great like, idea. I, like, I'm really strange because it took me a lot of years to sleep in quiet. Because mm. where I used to live in Middlesbrough, I had a main road one side, train line the other. Yeah. And I was in direct landing path for Teesside Airport. Yeah. And when I moved back down to Leeds... I couldn't sleep properly for ages because it was quiet. Yeah, no, it is, it is weird how you get used to stuff. I've got yeah. used to it. Yeah, it exactly. Me, it's taken me years well, and years that I fall asleep, that I can sleep now in the quiet. Well, if you had one of these hollow rooms, you could get them to fly a plane over overhead every so often. Make you'd it be shake. Yeah, you'd be fine. And the computer's now called Zora, which yeah is what it's called in Calypso. And we were obviously building to this last season, but it's just dropped in very nonchalantly and we don't get much more of an explanation of it. Just, no, yeah, that's like, what the computer's called now. Yeah, like, Calypso has to be in an alternate universe somewhere. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean... Or, the, or are we going to get what? Are we going to get the events of Calypso this season? I don't we know. We thought we get it last season with time travel. Maybe they'll slip it in this season. I mean, there's because been... I'm sure we said that they that they all happen. Yeah, there's been different interviews with different producers at different times, and some of them have said Calypso is absolutely part of our canon. We're going to build to that, and we will show you how that integrates. Another one said. Well, Calypso's part of the canon, but it might not be an exact one-to-one. Um, the, so the thing is, as soon as it's on screen... That's it. The rule is, that's canon. Yep, so you're going to have to explain why the ship looks like it's pre-refit version again when yeah. you do get to Calypso. So we'll look forward to that. Bear that in mind, writers. Um, but we're, we're one step closer, because we've got a computer called Zora now. And... One of the big 
dilemmas then is do we send Buck, don't we send Buck? And this is where you get the good dynamic between Michael and Saru. Because Saru seems to be counselling her on, right, this is when you've got to look at it objective as a captain. This is where you can let your personal feelings come in. Yeah, he's it, <coughs> all, all, mentor, mentoring her. Yeah, he's making her a better captain by... Yeah. By being, uh, by being a good first officer. And obviously we do end up sending Buck. And we get this thing where Stamets is going to go, but he's going to be a projection, and so it lets... Well, before he knows it's a projection, a projection, he throws that in her, in her to, doesn't he? What, you're sending us, you're sending the only two people who can yeah. use the spore drive. You might as well throw me out of the ship, out an airlock. Which I didn't Which get. she did last season. She did, yeah, I had to look that up, so I was like, I'm sure I should remember that, but... I didn't quite remember it. You know what? Maybe if it was still available on Netflix, I could have refreshed my memory. Ooh, burn. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're, they're going to go. So we get to have them too. And you get these things like Stamets has got misgivings about it. And we do get a mini arc in the episode to find out why he's got an issue about it. And Well, it's just rubbish at talking to people. Yeah, Stamets not. And he has so no. It is has no empathy. <laughs> no, that's true. But it, I liked the the sort of explanation of it. Like Buck, quite understandably thinks, well, I've pushed your nose out of joint because you were the only person who could do the spore drive, and now you're not. But Stamets, it's actually no. It's it's because I couldn't save my family. And you had to do it for me. And yeah. I, I can sort of understand where he's coming from with that one. But what he's doing is taking his feeling of inadequacy and taking it out on Buck, which isn't fair. See, Buck did the right thing. And it's not his fault that he he could use the spar drive and he was capable <laughs> of it and he managed to get the job done. So, And it's no... It's no detriment to Stamets that he couldn't do it at the time. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of misdirected anger, I think, from Stamets. But... Yeah, and like, and like I say, Stamets is socially inept. He, he's yeah, awkward. He, he definitely is. He's, he's one of them people you and, have to get to like, know. The it. only reason he's, like, is, is the chief engineer. The only reason he's the chief engineer, and like he is, is because of what Discovery was as a science ship. Yeah, that's true. It, it wouldn't have progressed up the ranks in, no. in a normal it was, a normal Starfleet vessel. Yeah, it was because and, it and was... And that's something about Discovery. And you do, and you get these people who are brilliant uh, in fields, mm. which Stamets says, but they're hopeless <laughs> in other things. Well, that was it. It was because he was a mushroom expert, basically, yeah. which, yeah, any other ship in the fleet, it's not going to... It's not going to cut the mustard, is it, really? But um, <laughs> speaking of engineers, we haven't seen Jet Reno this um, no. this season. And I know that that's because Tignataro's contract is that she, she can only appear so many... I don't know if she's committed to other programmes or she does other things. Right. But it, it, it's very much a, an actor availability thing rather oh, than... She- Good job they haven't got Doug Jones tied down like that. Someone else, because he's up. I've been watching him on there. Uh, what they're doing the shadows. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> he's in season three. <laughs> Spoilers, but but yes, he is, and he, he's also in Hocus Pocus two, which is yeah. due out soon. So yeah, he's far more prolific than you think, Doug Jones. He's in a lot of things that you don't realise it's Doug Jones. Yeah. Because he does makeup all the time. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Basically, if you if there's any characters who are tall in makeup, there's a good chance it's probably Doug Jones. <laughs> or Ron Perlman. Probably one yeah. or the other. Um Right, so then it all starts kicking off and they get hit by the gravitational wave. We still don't have seatbelts. We've got the programmable uh, matter but, now. Why don't a seatbelt whip like, out? Oh, we've got a gravitational wave coming for us. It's going to hit <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. And then even the second time, it's like, oh, the good news is we've worked out when it's coming. The bad news is it's now. 
<laughs> and yeah, just why don't the crew gets proper beaten up? They by don't this. half like this is two episodes in a row now where the Discovery and the crew have taken a hell of a pasting. Yeah, like what like, are we? But you see them like, and it is the gravity's gone, so the floating in air, and that's what I did for thumbnail. I just yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. But but, and then it stops and it just bang. <laughs> yeah, like you need to get the seatbelts fitted. I know it's a deleted yeah. scene from Nemesis, but the Enterprise E had them in a deleted scene, so I know it's not canon, but let's they just... They have them in um, Abraham's. There you go. You see, the Kelvin universe in, got some In the Kelvin-verse, they have seatbelts. Well, that's because the Kelvin-verse... Um, Safety first became a big thing. That's why they had the Kelvin pods on the bridge. They were a lot more health and safety conscious, I think. So Right. Also, this is before the diverge discoveries from, even though now it's getting head scratchy, isn't it? But where we are now in the timeline is after the Kelvin timeline diverted. But when Discovery led... Oh, no, it wouldn't have been before, would it? No, Discovery season one and two would be after the Kelvin got destroyed um, or didn't get destroyed in this version yeah yeah they'd be after yeah they would okay so yeah you could have done with seatbelts two two occasions in this episode where they would have been really bloody handy yeah everyone put your seatbelts on now yeah and yeah when the second time when Michael goes right everybody brace yourselves like there weren't really much time there Michael you know no I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking her. She gave the order as soon as it was possible to do it. But yeah, um, Adira and Tilly having a bit of a, a tiff over checking the works. Quite interesting. I think this is this is playing into Tilly not being quite herself because she does snap quite quickly, and that's that's not very Tilly at all. I also think a part of this is that she was made first in act, act, for acting first officer. Mm. And and now she's a lieutenant and um, Adira's the ensign. Yeah. And she's she's got command and she's she wasn't ready for command. She shouldn't have been acting first officer. No. And I think here she's still not used to command. Like yeah. I, they've all been they've all had these promotions. And pretty much Blanket wise, all the all the ones who are already above Ensign have been made a commander, and it's obviously because of the time travel thing. Yeah, yeah, it's the and, time and travel the, and the burn mission, sorting out the so burn, sorting out the lieutenant. But it and it goes back to this thing again, where these are scientists, yeah, and they're brilliant at things, but they're not good at other things. And they've been, and she, so Tilly's been promoted into a position that she's not actually equipped to mm. to deal with. Yeah, and maybe that's gonna be some of the stuff that she's going to explore this season. Well, well, we saw it, didn't we? As an ensign, she couldn't help swearing and all that. She couldn't control what she says. Yeah, true. So but- this is all probably putting a lot of undue pressure on her. Making her a lieutenant. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking, though, the whole thing... <clears throat> when we first met Tilly as a cadet, the whole thing was, I want to be part of the command programme and learn to be a captain. And maybe... Maybe she's at a bit of a crossroads thinking, well, actually, is that the right path for me? Because when I was yeah. a first officer, I really wasn't ready for it. So... Maybe I need to rethink my priorities. Uh, you know that I really hope that they don't just drop this with Tilly, and that it, if we're gonna do a story about her her mental state, then let's do it and let's explore it fully because yeah. we we've done three seasons like of Michael. Like I I assumed like in the early seasons that she was on the spectrum somewhere. Yeah. Which is fine, and she was, but she was really good at what she does. But does that make her right to be a, to be in command? She might want, might have wanted to be in mm. command, but is she right for command? Well, yeah, to be commanding and someone. 
if that's what we're going to explore, I'm I'm really interested to yeah. see that story through and see where she does go. And Saru again steps in, makes really good decisions. Like, right, we need to cut this tether that we've got. So again, he's giving the right advice to the captain at the right we time. We need to cut the tether and pull back. Yeah, and the, there's a bit where Michael says to Colbert, "Is book." emotionally stable and Culber says well you can't really tell because it, it could be stress it could be yeah and this does go back to Michael was very hesitant to send Buck on this but it was it was Saru giving the advice going you know that he's the most equipped for it and he's the right choice but well that's the reality is that Buck is Buck is compromised but he's also the only one who could fly his ship in there true but no one else could do it. And this, I suppose this goes back to Kobayashi and Maru because it's the, the there's no right answer in this. It's, there's a lot of reasons why it had to be Buck, but it wouldn't have been the wrong decision, really, for Michael to say, no, I'm, I'm not sending Buck. And that's borne out here by he's having flashes of his nephew. And... But then, if they hadn't sent him, they wouldn't have got the data. So, we do seem to be doing a lot with the captain mate has to make tough decisions, which... Yeah, like... Like, the first first episode being called Kobayashi Maru could be quite a clue for the whole whole season. Yeah, he's... he's... And, and we, like, we're in no-win situations with a yeah. lot of these things. And yeah, is that is that what we're going to see throughout the season? How does Michael respond to these different no-win situations, and how does that <coughs> how does that make her a better captain as we go along? Yeah, which I think is a much more interesting thing to do with Michael than some of the stuff we've done in the previous seasons. Like, I'm really on board with Michael as the captain. I think it it works. Yeah. It works so much better for the show and it makes it feel, in a good way, more like a conventional Star Trek show because our main character yeah, is the captain. your main character is the captain. Yeah, which, there we go, that feels right, that feels normal. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> um, then they come up with this plan, we're going to get Buck back, I'm going to use programmable matter so that I can feel the, the waves coming and everything, which I think is very clever. And the, there's a really good subtle moment where Michael says, go now, and he says, are you sure? And she says, yes. And he misses it. And the first time I thought, well, that's Buck being an idiot, questioning her. Um, but but that's the whole point of that scene, is that, yeah, it, he he is questioning her when he shouldn't be. He needs to... He, he should have just to, done what gone when she said yeah and I think that's really clever writing because I noticed it as it happened and thought oh you know what an idiot and then it's the the episode acknowledges that so but I don't think it's I didn't I don't think he's questioning her no here when he's saying are you sure he's questioning himself yeah I think that's the thing because of what's happened it, it isn't that he's got hasn't got faith in what Michael's telling him no it's that he's, because of what's just happened, he's unsure of, he, if he should, of himself with doing stuff. Yeah, and he, he's hesitating. Is this the right thing to be doing now? That's it, and it's it's a moment's hesitation, but it means they're, they're not able to escape at that point. And this is when, again, Saru steps in and says, right, you need to talk to him as his partner now rather than as his captain. That's... And not my no, she's not his captain, but she might as well be. <laughs> and I like that she is his captain. Yeah, I like that she gets. She's his girlfriend, of course. She's in charge. That's a very fair we point. We all know this is a reality. <laughs> yeah. Every bloke watching this knows that reality. <laughs> I think that's a fair point, and I can only speak from my own experience. But <laughs> but yes, um, I love that. She goes, right, uh, I'm going to open a private thing. And you get a little, like, privacy booth on the bridge, like this I, little... I liked how it did put that force field round it. Yeah, so it's like you can have so a private no conversation. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool little touch. And she does a really good job here. Like, she, she says all the right things, gets the confidence in him. So 
She's doing a good job as his partner, but also as a captain in this yeah. instance, she gets the result that she needs to do. And then finally, we, we sort of complete the arc with Stamets and Bugs. At the start, Stamets had said, oh, do you, you know, does the spa drive make you feel this, this and this? And Bugs just ain't interested in talking about this at all. Yeah, do you, does it, do you get a tingle in your arms whenever you use yeah. it? Yeah. And then he opens up a bit at the end and he's like, yeah, I do, it's really weird. So, and that's what makes me think that maybe we're not going to do a whole lot more with Buck and his trauma because we seem to have, it, there, there has we, been an arc this episode. We seem to have got episode. out of the worst of it it's now I'm dealing with it. Yeah, he, he's got out of the sort of maudlin kind of slump and everything and it, it makes me wonder... Are we going to do the mental health story with Tilly rather than Book this yeah. season? I don't know. Uh, but I, I really like Stamets where he says, I'm going to work it out for you. And it, it's almost like it, it's his way of paying him back. Like, you saved my yeah. family. Now I'm going to solve this for you. I, I'm going to use my skills as a scientist to work out what this problem is and solve it. And hopefully you will do. But um, we do find out, though, that... Well, when he starts looking at the data... Yeah. And all that. And like <laughs> to say, it's like... When Buck went in, it changed direction to attack Discovery with that gravitation. Yeah, this is the thing. And it's... this is why, I don't, why it's not natural... Yeah, because... Like the same, you can't predict it now. It implies a degree of sentience if it's reacting to what it thinks is a threat. Maybe not even even sentience necessarily, because, you know, you get... Well, we we did have the giant amoeba, didn't we, in TOS? Yeah, and you get things like um, plants, like the Venus flytrap, can react to things, but they're not... Yeah, it's not like... It's nerve. It's nerve. Um, yeah, nerves going instead of sentience. But yeah, exactly. So that it it may not necessarily be sentient, but it looks very much like it's alive. And this could lead to it being a really good Star Trek dilemma if we've got this is a living creature that's potentially going to destroy countless worlds. But can we morally destroy it? Do we have the right to destroy it? Yeah. And, you know, I, I'll put my cards on the table. In this instance, I'd say yes. Um, I'd try yeah. talking to it. If you can talk to it and you can rationalise with it and say, look, you are destroying our galaxy, then, yeah, try, try the diplomatic approach first, but you might just have to yeah, get rid. Right. But... Like, it's five light years across. Like, that shot at the end looked like it was swallowing the solar system. Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah, it was huge. Because there was planets looked like they were being sucked into it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really nice shot, that final shot. I don't think it's natural. It's definitely not a binary black hole. No, it's definitely not a binary black hole. But like, I think the I think the like the hundred percent massive, great big flashing light that it's not a binary black hole is that they said at the start of the episode we think it's a binary black hole. Yes. Yeah, I think that that's your biggest. <laughs> that was clue. the giveaway that it wouldn't be. A... And you know what? The episode's called Anomaly, not Binary Black Hole. So, unless next week's is called Binary yeah, Black Hole, um, then we might be wrong. Like, if it is a, if it is a creature, would it still be called an anomaly? I don't know. Maybe, maybe now we know it's a creature, we won't call it an anomaly anymore. Are you, are you going like, to bet? Is it a creature? We're not sure, but it definitely has. It, it definitely has reactions to things. Yeah. Are you going to bet that this is the Iconians again, or have you learnt your lesson after the Red Angel? The Iconians would have been so much the better. Iconians the Iconians would have been better, actually, yeah. Rather than... Like, like 
Let's be honest, I should be writing for Discovery because I know Iconians would have been better. Yeah, the Iconians would have been better than Michael's mum. I will absolutely give you that one. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think this one's Iconians, but we'll no, see. No, I don't think Iconians. I don't think Voyager. I think it's something Voyager. new. I'd, I'd love it to have been Flight of the Navigator. Yeah, but Disney... But Disney. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Something yeah, new. I want like, it to be something new. What would be new. nice is something new, but not something stupid new, like a, like somebody screamed and blew up all the dilithium in the galaxy. See, I didn't mind that, but I don't want it to be something like that again. I I did. I thought it would. I thought it was a bit. Yeah, this isn't... <laughs> mm, I thought it worked. I, I was okay with that. but I, I was I, a bit disappointed with But the, yeah, I totally, I totally see um, why people might not be happy. Um, I don't... Again, Q would have been so much cooler. Yeah. So, like this one, I don't feel like this is being positioned as a big mystery in the same way that the Red Angel was and the Burn was. They, they were being <laughs> no, set I up as... <laughs> they've got to work out what it is. And, like, Stamets is only just starting to look at the yeah. data and he picked up terabytes of data. Yeah. And he can't look at terabytes of data in, in a few minutes. No, exactly. And I don't feel like whatever this is, I don't feel like it has the potential for that level of disappointment because I don't feel like they're bigging it up in this. I know we're only two episodes in, but I, I don't think they're attaching the same sort of ooh yeah, mystery. Yeah, it, it feels more like a traditional Star Trek mystery. Yes, it does. So I'm interested to see where it goes. Anyway, so that's episode two, Anomaly. Let us know what you thought about it. Let us know what you think the anomaly might be. Remember that we've ruled out Flight of the Navigator, so... Um, yeah, only because of Disney. Only because of Disney, unless that they do a special mouse. deal. Exactly, you know, you could have left Flight of the Navigator so Star Trek could have it, but never mind. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, we're at RetrekPod uh, on Twitter. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or come and join us on Facebook. We'll be back yeah, next we're week. We're not posting... Um... <laughs> The link for the this live stream until a Monday. Yeah. Because obviously we do a thumbnail with it, and just in case there's a clue in the thumbnail ever. Yeah, we do. We we post in Monday, so you've got chance to watch it either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday on Pluto. Or if you're one of those lucky people who lives in America, you can watch it on Thursday when it drops. Yes. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, so thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Bye bye.